quick language warning here. Sometimes Alice and I, we have potty mouths and we're working on that. So this is probably best for grown-up listening only. This is Body Shock, a podcast by two newbie parents, me, Alice Fenton, and my co-host Shannon O'Mara. We separate fact from fiction about what having kids does to your body and mind and what you can do about it. Hello and welcome to Body Shock. I'm Shannon O'Mara and I'm here with my co-host, the fantastic, brilliant, fabulous Alice Fenton. Oh, thank you. Hi, Shannon. <laughs> Hi. So today we're talking about boobs, which is a topic, it's kind of responsible for how Body Shock, the podcast, actually came about. It's true, yeah. So Alice and I, we, were, we became friends through a mum blind date scenario and we were catching up over a coffee and I was telling Alice all about how my chess was going to the path of like a basketball baseball scenario with my right breast completely giving up and taking early retirement. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, me too, yes. I've got one weird overachiever and one complete slacker. I don't know why they're so uneven. Can, can they not just both work together? Uh, and I was also, also complaining about my shoulder and my back and my wrists. And we kind of spiraled into a conversation about all the weird stuff that happens to the body in the first year of having kids. Hence, Body Shock was born. Anyway, back to the topic at hand. Let's stay focused. So boobs. Boobs. Boobs have such a rough time with the arrival of kids. <laughs> Don't they work hard? They're just little warriors. They are. They're the true soldiers just battling on through. Now, our expert for today's boob episode is Lynn Mackenzie Hall, a midwife and lactation consultant who's dedicated 18 long years of her life to boobs. I do want to be clear, though, this is absolutely not a breast is best diatribe. That's right. No one should feel pressured at all about how they feed their baby. My daughter had a mix of boob and formula and I'm, I'm totally comfortable with that. And I just find the, the unnecessary pressure put on new mums and, and breastfeeding to be kind of utter crap. Oh my God, totally. I, I could give a rat's ass whether you feed your baby by breast or bottle. Whatever works for you and your family is what's best, obviously. Yeah. And hungry babies. Hungry babies just aren't a good option. That's logical. Anyway, the reason that we picked Lynn is because she just knows a lot about boobs and the intense experiences that they have during pregnancy and post-baby. Let's get into it. So today we're chatting to Lynn McKenzie Hall, who's an IBCLC lactation consultant. That's an international accreditation. And she's also an endorsed midwife. How long have you been doing what you do? For? I think I've been doing it now about... 17 years. I could even be going into my 18th year. So Lynn's here to talk to us about all things boobs today. <laughs> it's all about boobs. <gasps> I see a lot of those. Lynn, I'm, I'm interested in understanding what actually happens physically to the breasts during mm -hmm. pregnancy. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that it varies between uh, woman to woman, but initially when often women know they're pregnant because their nipples become incredibly sensitive. And that's often they'll know that before they've had the, the, um, the pregnancy test. And some girls actually find that their breasts grow quite a lot in the first trimester. And then nothing happens until after they've had the baby. And yet other girls may feel that their breasts don't change much. But in the last trimester, the last several weeks of their pregnancy, they find then that they need to change up their bra size. So it, there's a variability. But what's interesting is breast tissue is growing and the milk ducts are actually growing in the breast. So once we get through our teenage years, our breasts stop growing. And yet when we become pregnant, the tissue starts growing again. 
which is quite extraordinary, really. So you're really. not just growing a human, you're growing a whole... You're, you're growing tissue, mm. yes. I wanted to ask, when I first started breastfeeding my little daughter, I had quite a hard time teaching her how to latch, which I know right. is not uncommon. And I just wondered, I, I remember thinking, why is this not something that babies just know how to do? Like, surely that's a survival instinct. Do you know, it's so interesting. Do you know, babies actually know what to do. You know what happens? We get our hands in the way. Mm. So with breastfeeding and breasts, we know so much more now. There's so much more science behind what we're doing. And so we know that given the chance, babies given that chance for skin to skin where they're resting between mum's breasts, as long as the mother's comfortably positioned and we're not touching the mother and baby, is that babies are actually designed to self-attach. What happens is because there's so many myths, old wives' tales, people getting their hands onto the baby, onto the mother's breast, and getting involved, that's what mucks it up. Well, there were, there were a lot of hands on the baby. I remember yeah. in the hospital, these nurses were coming I in and know. taking her head and, and shoving, shoving her on. it on. And I it, know. Felt, it seemed quite violent. Yeah. I spend a lot of time actually deconstructing how babies and mothers, well, how babies should breastfeed. And it's often about slowing it down, not interfering, and just providing support for the mother so that when the baby does come on the breast, it all gels together much more easily. Mm. Well, would have been good to know that at the time, but Mm. maybe helpful for some people out there. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lynn, what are some of the common boob challenges women face in the early days? I mean, I, I had, I had, I felt like I sort of had all of them. I had engorged boobs, I had right. cracked nipples, I, I felt like I had a few so, of them. So. I understand. I, I will actually, and, and I do say, don't actually say it, I do say it, breastfeeding doesn't hurt. If breastfeeding hurts, there are some reasons and we've got to find out. Watching a mother breastfeed and watching to see how she's breastfeeding is like watching someone put on new shoes. I might go, oh, my God, Shannon, great shoes. Great, good size. They look good, cheap, great colour, buy them. And you go, they are so uncomfortable, I'm not going to. And I can look at both of you girls breastfeeding and I can go, your attachment looks great. The next question must be, how does it feel? Just like your shoes. How do your shoes feel? Dreadful, I'm not buying them. If breastfeeding is uncomfortable or painful or doesn't feel right, there's an issue. Usually it's because the attachment isn't right, because the baby's either been pushed on or mum isn't comfortable enough to optimise attachment. The baby may have a tongue tie. This is so on trend. Often misdiagnosed, overdiagnosed and not what's going on. And then mums can often come to the breastfeeding experience with sensitive nipples from circulation issues. If I ask a mother, does she have cold hands and feet in winter? And she says, yes. Then I say, okay, now do you mind your nipples being touched? Oh, my God, I can't bear it. So they're hardly going to come to that breastfeeding experience going, just adore having this baby on the boob. But there are things that you can do proactively before they've had the baby. And then there are things, if I see mothers uh, who I haven't seen beforehand, then there are things that we can certainly do to make that better while they're breastfeeding. So what are some of the things you can do in advance if you... Uh, Okay, so because it's essentially a a circulation issue, um, ask mums to start on magnesium. And some girls, their nipples are just so painful and uncomfortable that I'll get them on to wearing breast pads and breast warmers, great thing out there called breast warmers. It's the magnesium that actually helps improve the circulation that can make a difference. 
So none of these old wives' tales about sort of oh my god, don't you pulling and prodding your nipples. nipples in order to to warm, you know, get them ready for yeah. The it's ones. interesting. I know there's still a couple of doctors that say get the nipple pullers out and actually stretch your nipples beforehand. Look, I don't know about that. What concerns me is we do too much of those sorts of things. We're almost saying to the mothers, listen, you're going to have problems before you start. And sure, let's be proactive, but we don't know how the baby's going to stretch the nipple anyway. But I do like nipple shields. I think nipple shields are great because if it actually helps a baby draw the nipple comfortably over the back of the tongue and help the mother who's got sensitive nipples, it's a great thing. They've got to be used properly and correctly though. So there are lots that we can do. There is lots that we can do. That is so interesting. I had no idea. I know. Circulation thing. I know. Yes, really. And then you have girls that go... Oh, I don't think my nipples are so sensitive. And then when they start feeding the baby, I go, now, come on, tell me again, how sensitive? Well, by this time, the partner's around going, don't be ridiculous, you don't like your nipples being touched. Mm-hmm. And so you go, well, okay, now let's put these things in place. But also just the idea that it's not supposed to hurt. Oh, Everyone told mm, me mm. in those first few weeks, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 your nipples just have to toughen up. Yeah, then well, it'll be fine. And it was so painful. I know. Imagine if someone said you've got to toughen your cervix up before you have your baby. <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> I, I do remember, actually, a friend told me that, because I had quite badly cracked nipples, mm, and they said, mm. sunlight, give give sunlight oh and, and baby's milk. So oh there it Lord. was. My daughter was born on the 21st of June, so it was probably oh, stop the, it. Third, you know, the 30th of June or something. And there I am in the garden. It's 12 degrees if you're <laughs> yeah, lucky. 12 degrees, <laughs> topless, outside, just trying to get some sun to my cracked oh, nipples because I was goodness. desperate to yes. try. There's a lot of yeah, yeah, faith yeah. in sunshine, don't they? Someone else was telling me that when they gave birth, they had all their nether regions out in the sun because they were told that was going to help with healing oh, as well. So. I've never heard that one. Oh, my Lord. That's amazing. But do you know, if your nipples are cracked and think about it if you broke your leg imagine if someone said to you oh well don't worry about it I'll be right in six weeks you go you're an idiot and if any if you had any pain if you'd cut yourself you wouldn't leave it as it were you'd do something about it so if women have got cracked nipples and have suffered all through that I say to them good job that you kept going but you didn't need to wait that long I mean why do it's the most sensitive part of one of our most sensitive parts of the nipple body and we seem to be saying to mothers, well, let, let's shred your nipples. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Whereas if that attachment is correct at the beginning, we've looked at why else it might be hurting, then it shouldn't be an issue. And the key thing you were saying with attachment is to let the baby do yes. what it naturally wants to yes. do, to get out of its way. Absolutely. With, with mothers being shown how to be comfortably positioned to maximise Nipple and mouth coming together well and comfortably. And it's not necessarily the sitting rod upright. Oh, no, 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 no. With a Absolutely. pillow in your lap, because that's what the nurses had me doing too, and I was I so uncomfortable just thinking, exactly. this, is, this is a nightmare. And look at how we're sitting now. We're not actually sitting up. But if we're sitting up, how easy then is it to, to tip forward? So I, I don't like pillows, because they, mums end up leaning forward, making the pillow fit them. They fit the pillow. The pillow's not fitting them. Wow. You can deconstruct a lot of what is out there. Okay, so here's another thing that might just be a complete fallacy. My GP told me that you need to be getting eight hours sleep a day in order to produce enough milk for your baby, which of course stressed me out because who's getting that much sleep in the early days? Absolutely, absolutely. Everyone's already worried about whether the baby's getting enough food. Is this true? That would... So 
babies feed every two or three hours. And because breast milk is very high GI food, babies eat frequently. But I would say to you, if we counted from the time we started in the morning that we start having a drink of water, time until we go to bed at night, we put something in our mouths 17, 18, 25 times. And these people are saying, oh, you should only feed your baby every four hours and get some sleep overnight. The babies are designed to, to feed overnight. That's when your milk is stimulated and that's when your milk production is at, is at its highest. The secret is feeding your baby effectively. And then when the baby's asleep, particularly in the first weeks, guess what you've got to think about? Having something to eat, something to drink, and having a sleep when that baby's asleep. And you are ravenous in those early days oh, as well. Low GI, wheat bix at 2 a.m., better than, you know, thinking that you shouldn't be eating. I had snacks by the bed. I yeah. would go to Good. bed every night. What with snacks little, did you have? Uh, these little oat cakes, mandarins. Excellent. Just anything that Super. I could just put there because I was starving. Yeah, great. Mm. Great idea. Thanks. Yeah. Did one thing right. Yes. <laughs> tick. Tick. Snacks. Eating. Always yeah. been fairly good at that. <laughs> um, Lynn, after a few months, probably six months of breastfeeding, my boobs became chronically lopsided. Um, my left breast continued to produce quite a lot of milk and my right breast kind of retired early. It was done. It was like, you know what? Lefty's got it. I'm go. I'm just hanging out my towel, sort of thing. I, yeah. And and apart from, I mean, this was a very clear. You know, every morning I was absolutely aware of it. I was almost stuffing my bra, you wow, know, to, to balance equal it up. out. Wow, kind of interesting. Thing. Yes. What, what was what's going on there? Um, I would have liked to have known what you looked like in the beginning. So what none of us look at really. Pamela Anderson. I had enormous <laughs> boobs. Fabulous. <laughs> yeah. God, I used to walk into a room sideways going, look at this, I've taken me all this life. So, interestingly, if we, most of us when we're not pregnant, we don't even look at our boobs. But if you actually stood in the mirror, that most of us would notice that one breast is slightly bigger than the other. There's always one breast that produces um, slightly more milk, some girls significantly more milk, others not so. But there is always one side that's slightly bigger than the other, which means actually there's more breast tissue in one than there is in the other. Who knows which one? It doesn't mean always if you're right-handed, your right breast is bigger because I see girls have got bigger left breasts. And the variation in that size can be quite significant. I find it interesting that it took six months that there was such a change and such a dramatic change because I'm sure you're feeding equally on the other side. It's Yeah, I'd, re- I'd really try and keep right, yeah, old sure, righty in there. Sure. But in the end, I just thought, I'm not going to fight it anymore. And, no. And, you know... And it was. I mean, she was still definitely getting enough. Like, yeah, and is that interesting though? Enough. I so, think. and even though the the breasts are individual, that somewhere the hormones worked in and whatever was happening, that one was producing and you didn't need the other. Yeah. And turn it around. If someone had breast cancer and they lost one breast, they can still actually confidently feed on one breast. Now, it depends on the capacity of the breast. So you don't need to be a 38 double D to feed the baby. Often it's the smaller breasts who ha- that have more breast tissue in it that the mums can actually effectively feed on one breast. Okay, so we sort of, we sort of covered, covered this yeah. earlier a little bit. Just basically, do you think people receive enough breastfeeding support? The answer is probably not. No, I don't think so. I think we need to do much more. And I think it's still about, as I said earlier, here we are in the 21st century, and I'm, I'm still hearing old wives' tales about, oh, well, the baby should be um, asleep at this stage or should be doing this or your baby should be feeding every four hours. So we're still dealing with that. And that is coming from a lot of that 
advice or non-support is often coming from passively from family. You know, mum, the mother-in-law, the aunt. And within hospitals, do you think it's obviously not the same, but that there are people who have, are not up to date with their training, perhaps, Absolutely. and so still... And, do you know, to cut, I, I've been a midwife in the hospital, and I, when I think about what we didn't know and the advice that we gave, I think we were lucky that we had any women breastfeeding. Um, and to be fair to the midwives, they are really pushed to get out and get extra um, in-services and education. Most of it is not funded or supported by their hospitals. You know, it costs me a lot of money each year to update and stay current. So the midwives can't always do that. So it's tough. But there, there, are, there is a lot of conflicting advice, and all of us know. It happens constantly. Mums come out of hospital. I saw seven midwives, and not one of them said the same thing. That was exactly my experience. Yeah. In mine. Yeah. Well, I think we've covered it. Thank you, Lynn McKenzie Hall. That was awesome. Thank you. It was great Thank fun. Thank you, Lynn. Thanks. So that was Lynn McKenzie Hall on boobs. Hopefully there was something in there that you found helpful. Let's talk about our next episode, libido. Are you ever going to have sex again? Should you schedule sex? How do you reignite the spark in your relationship? So many questions. So many answers from Pamela Supple, the sex expert, who we chat to next episode. Tune in. <laughs>